Hey everyone, welcome to Healthy Mind, Happy Life Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Engler. I believe that we can all move through life transitions without losing who we are, but it takes the right support, community, and connection to carry us through. We can heal through sharing experience, strength, and hope. Each week, we will have genuine and real conversations that will inspire you to shift your mindset to live a happier, free life. Hey guys, so this week I'm joined by the amazing Coop Laxon. He's the first male guest on this show, which is just super exciting. Coop's mission is to help others connect with their soul purpose through surrender. Koo is an inspirational speaker and author of two best-selling books and a transformational coach, or he says an uncoach, because he helps you to learn how to uncoach yourself. He speaks about the meaning of surrender and the misconceptions that we often have of what that really means. So Koo and I dive deep into this conversation of surrender I personally have just finished his book, The Magic of Surrender, and it couldn't have come at a better time in my life that I've really been practicing surrender. And so this really just helped lock it all into place and it gave me some really good perspective and tips on things to just keep on this path. I hope that this episode resonates with you and that you get something out of it. If you want to hear more, you want to listen to one of his books, I will put all the show notes or all the information in the show notes below, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. All right. Well, thank you, Coop, for coming on today's episode. I really appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you in general for what you do and the message that you carry. I know how I know how powerful it's been for me. And I'm really excited to share it with my audience today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So let's just start with a basic introduction. If you could share a little bit about who you are and what is it that you do? Um, wow. I help people transform. Um, I'm a transformational teacher. I've uh, written two best-selling books, You Are the One, The Magic of Surrender. And for me, I don't, I don't really teach people. I don't really train people. I... I don't really coach people. I uncoach, I unteach, I untrain uh, people from the patterns of conditioning that we have tended to develop over time and help people reconnect with their truth, their essence and purpose and live that fully and freely in the world. And so I'm an uncoach, if, if that's such a word. And I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana, my mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the U.S., in Los Angeles, which has been home for many years now. Um, and so I'm a citizen of the world. And from a, from a very young age, I always felt people deeply. I was a very empathetic kid. So there was a part of, part of me that always wanted to alleviate suffering in some way and uh, didn't know what that would look like or how that would look. And so as a as a kid, some would say I had a bit of an unusual childhood in that, um, like my first memories as a young boy was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand, the gravel that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. Um, 
so I grew up around miracles, you know, blind people seeing and deaf people hearing. And people will often say, what well, was that stuff really real? And I, I saw it every week, every literally every other day. Is this the man whose sand she picked up was my father, you know, and uh, he was a very unique character, very spiritual being, spiritual man. Um, built 300 churches in Ghana, huge church in London, hundreds of thousands of followers. And so when I was age eight, that's when my speaking career began. He threw me in the audience and said, speak. And when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister and given the mandate to take over my father's organization. Wow, and that's so young. With, yeah, with a lot of expectations. And my life was basically set out for me. Um, but I did. I never felt it was my path, to be honest. I didn't feel it was my my journey and my trajectory. But I think like many of us, I was too afraid to to speak my truth. My fear was if I dared to speak my truth, I would lose my father, I'd lose the connection. I'd be alone. I'd be outcast. And so I said nothing. And about four years went by where I tried to just fit myself into a box and become who I thought I needed to be to, to fit in and be loved. And after, when I turned 18 was a pivotal moment that sent me on a new course where I looked into my future and I saw that I could live the expected life and fulfill my father's vision for my life. But I realized if I don't have myself, if I don't have my soul, if I don't have my truth, if I don't have my own integrity, what kind of success is that? And I knew what I had to do, which was basically you know, leave everything behind. So at, at 18, I renounced everything. Um, I felt a calling to come to America. I felt a calling to come to Los Angeles and specifically uh, Southern California, because this is where all of the authors, I'd sneak into my father's office um, and he had about a thousand books on his bookshelf and all of the authors I read about, Louis Hay, Marianne Williamson, uh, Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, I mean, the list goes on. They all lived in Southern California. They all lived in Los Angeles, San Diego. So I wanted to come and find these people and meet these people and learn. I wanted to go into this this field. And for me, it, it was it was a calling. You know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't make sense to your mind. What your soul guides you to do isn't always logical. What your soul guides you to do um, might sometimes be inconvenient but I really believe that when you listen to your soul you'll always end up in the right place at the right time doing the right thing even though the route that you take may not be the one that you most expect or most understand and so I had that conversation with my father and left everything behind and long story short won a green card in the green card lottery which brought me to the U.S. 18 years old two suitcases and um, following a dream more than anything and following my soul and uh, have endeavored to be guided by my soul and listen to my soul regardless. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. I landed in America, found many of the teachers, the mentors, the teachers I read about, studied with some of them, and then got to the point a few years after being here where I wanted to, I wanted more. And that's when I started traveling and ended up go walking the Camino in Northern Spain and for a month and then ended up in India. And it was my time in India that, I think brought everything to to a really important point where I, I kind of cracked open and realized a deeper dimension of who I am and my purpose in life. And that's when I came back to America and began working with people 20 some years ago, 20 years ago, and one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. 
and just began just out of a pure intention to help and inspire and serve in some way. And one person came, another person came, another person came, and it just grew organically. And um, I began to create my own methodology of working with people and life's transformed. And 20 years later, here we are. Here we are. And I think it's absolutely amazing. And I'm sure you hear this often, you know, at 18 years old to, to hear that within you and follow that is just mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And when you talk about, you know, understanding those deeper dimensions of yourself, I feel like a lot of people don't really even start cracking that open until about 30 years old, mm -hmm. if not a little bit later. And so you've really started this journey you know, a long time ago. And um, so we're going to talk about surrender uh -huh. today, but there was a couple things real quick that I wanted to touch on that you said, you know, I have, well, I'm halfway through your um, book, Magic of Surrender. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. And mm -hmm. when you just mentioned, you know, our people question my stories if they're real, right? Mm -hmm. And even mm -hmm. like listening to it, sometimes I found myself saying like, hmm, Hmm, you know, but it's like, it mm -hmm. must be right. It must be true. And I think the reason why, um, is the reason why your stories really have so much life in them is because you're an observer and you pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. You're very aware. And so these things are actually happening to all of us around us every single day, but it takes awareness and attention and observing to really notice these things. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that was a gift that you've always had to, to notice the um, people in your life and pay attention to like the miracles happening around you and the things mm -hmm. that you saw. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. Yeah, I agree. So I think that uh, a good place to start would be just giving us a, well, I guess <laughs> if you can, a basic definition of what it, what surrender means. Yeah, look, I think in our culture today, we have a lot of misconceptions on surrender. This idea that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is giving up, that surrender is waving the white flag, that it means sitting there doing nothing, that surrender means um, you're going to get left behind, you're going to be a doormat, you're going to be a victim, that, that you won't manifest your goals, dreams and desires. And so who the hell would want to surrender if that's that's what surrender was, you know? And so for me, I feel as though like surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. And and what if in truly surrendering, you didn't get less in life, but you got more, more than you could have planned and more than you could have intended and more than you could have visualized and more than you could have uh, projected with your ego's imagination, with your conscious intention, with your personalities. Uh, willpower or perspective and what if it was more what if it was maybe not what you thought but better but different but more and so for me I feel as though surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do it is the the real secret to manifestation it is the key to the next level of our life when I look at the truly great ones people like Jesus a Buddha a Gandhi a Mother Teresa a Mandela a Martin Luther King a Bruce Lee a Muhammad Ali you know, in certain ways, they all all had to surrender themselves to a purpose that was bigger than themselves. They all had to maybe let go of the idea of the life that they thought they were here to live so that they could 
open to the life that was seeking to happen through them and as them. And so I think in the surrender, they transcended their human limitations. And in that transcending their human limitations, they tapped into another dimension of grace, another dimension of life. And life began to, to, to live them. Life began to move through them. Life began to express through them in ways that they could not have done on their own or planned. And I think that's the possibility of surrender is that next level. And so surrender is a letting go of control, or I should say the illusion that we were in control in the first place. And so it is a letting go of control. Surrender is a is when you stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be and how you think it shouldn't be and who you think you should be so that you can be available and open to the life that is seeking to unfold. And, and, and so in surrender, you're taking the limitations off of life, the limitations off of life so that you can be available and open to to life unfolding, to being led by life, to be guided by life. And I think that's, we all want more magic, but often we're not willing to surrender. And I think the next level of our life requires the next level of us. The next level of us requires that we let go of what is no longer aligned, what is not a vibrational match, the situations, the people that are no longer truly aligned with who we truly are. But I think what we tend to do as human beings, from the ego, we tend to hold on we tend to hold on for their life. We tend to hold on, not realizing that holding on to that which is no longer aligned is actually what blocks our blessing, blocks the manifestation, blocks the next level of expression and energy unfolding in our life. And so surrender is a letting go in that sense. And, you know, the, the old paradigm uh, way of living and manifesting is, has really been focused on asking a specific question. And that question is more about like, what, what do you, what do I want? What do I want? Get clear on what you want. The challenge is you might manifest what you thought you wanted. And I think we've all had this experience where you manifest what you thought you wanted only to realize that what you thought you wanted was not what you really wanted. It was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And if we're not in touch with who we really are authentically, then often our goals can be projections, you know, of, of unmet needs, as an example, from childhood. And so um, for me, the question in surrender becomes, not what do I want, but the question becomes, it's a different question. Like, wh what is it that life is seeking to manifest through me? What is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that that my soul, what is it What is it that the divine, what is it that the universe, what is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to express through me and to to really attune to that, you know, to feel that, to listen to that, to sense that, to allow that, to become available to that. And I think when we can align ourselves with the deepest impulse and intention of life, then we become in, then, then we get in the flow, then we get in the flow of life. And, and, and that's when we start to kind of create in sync with the universe. And I think that's when life begins to manifest through us and magic starts happening, you know? And so uh, for me, surrender is a, is a letting go, is an availability, is a uh, taking the limitations off of life. Yeah, and when you talk about control, I always tell people the same thing, like control is an illusion. And I actually have a question about that. But first, yeah. I I wanted to say that, I, like what I hear you saying is like our attachments to the things that we want or we think we want are the things that um, keep us in that ego and keep us in that control versus surrendering and just mm -hmm. trusting. 
And so my question. And so, and so yeah, so, you, you know, it's a very good point because look, when, when you, when you, when you feel what's authentic, right. When you feel what's true, when you feel like, yeah, this is what is actually seeking to express through me. This is the truth, not what I think I should have or the, the, the house, the car, which is all great. But the things I think I've been conditioned to have, but aren't really true. But, but this, when you catch that vision of what's true, then part of surrender is not just sitting there doing nothing. It means now you go full, full like, like you commit 100%, you surrender to it, you commit 100% and you, you go for it. But the key is you go into action with full effort, 100% without attachment to the outcome. What creates suffering is the attachment to the outcome that we think is the goal and not realizing that sometimes when we get so attached to the outcome, we're no longer open. When we get attached to the outcome, like it has to be this person, it has to look like this, it has to be this. We're not available to 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 the guidance, to the unfold, the highest unfolding of life, because we we're now throttling life, trying to make something happen that may not be for our highest. And you can manifest that way. It's just the manifestation will be limited. You know, it's going to be limited. And so the key is letting go of the attachment going for it fully, giving 100% to what's aligned, but being open and available to the journey. Because for me, sometimes the goal is not the goal or the goal that we think is the goal is not the goal. It's just the, it's like the evolutionary carrot that takes us on a journey. And that journey is the journey that we need to go on in order to grow through so that we can learn, evolve and become the person that we're meant to become that is more capable of fulfilling the vision so that we can then move over here. And so when we get so attached, no, it's got to be this. We're not open to, to life moving us over here. You know, I often say, should Mandela not have spent 27 years in prison? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't in his plan. That wasn't on his goal bucket list. But that's what perhaps was necessary for the ripening, for the development of his soul. Like if he didn't spend 27 years in prison, would he have become the Mandela that we know? Probably not, because maybe it was those 27 years in prison that his soul needed to cook, to marinate, to develop. I, mean, I imagine, I can only imagine the depth of forgiveness, the depth of vision, the depth of thinking, the depth of compassion, the depth of so many things he had to like go through in that time to become who he was so that he could develop the soul force and come out ready to impact the world at level with the potency and the power of his beingness. And so, yeah, surrender is letting go of the attachment to the outcome and being open to the process, open to life, open yeah. to life leading us, you know, because I sometimes what we think is, is not. And what we think isn't might just be. I wanted to pop in for a friendly reminder that I released my new guided journal called Unshakable Confidence. This ebook walks you through journaling prompts and information that help to give you insight into those inner parts of you. It consists of five sections that will allow you to identify things about yourself, build self-awareness around those things, break down what's standing between you and confidence, and how to trust the process, especially when life feels like it's falling apart. The best part is it's only $5, so you can't go wrong with making this investment into yourself, especially if you aren't sure if you're ready to commit to therapy or try a coaching program, or maybe you're purchasing it and 
to go along with the program that you are currently doing. If you're interested in this offering, you can find this at www.elevateyourlifecoachingschool.com under products. You can just click in the show notes below on the website and find it there. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I had a friend, I would say like 10 years ago. I mean, it's not hers. It's from, you know, Buddhism. But, you know, she said to me, uh, a suffering is when we get attached to something or attachment is suffering, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I and I always have thought that, right? Like I've always kept that in the back of my mind. And all of the things that you were talking about, I feel like were up here in my mind for so many years. And they're the thing it's like the sayings helped carry me through. But over the last couple of years, I can feel the shift of it, it, like truly embodied in within Mm -hmm. my soul, within my body, um, that that message sinking in. Mm -hmm. My question is for people who haven't experienced that yet or kind of wondering, how do they get to that place? Um, how do how can they decipher between am I controlling or am I surrendering? Because I think it can get a little murky sometimes. Like people don't always realize that that's what they're doing is controlling an outcome or controlling a situation. I mean, most of the time we probably know, but sometimes we don't yeah. know. Like even I catch myself doing things. I'm like, wait, hold on. You're you're still trying to control the outcome of this or the decision, and it's like, I will get into it and then I have to pull myself back. Right. But some people aren't really clear, you know, like, am I, am I controlling? Am I surrendering? Like, how can people, I think, I think usually it's kind of clear if you're controlling, you know, it's like, if you're controlling, you're controlling. It's like being on an airplane and, and, and like trying to control the ride. Like the plane is gone. The plane has taken off. The plane so it's is more going. about just being honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah the plane, like, like imagine being on an airplane flight to like Bali and you're like, uh, what's going on? And, 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 and who's the pilot? And why is he not taking this <laughs> route? And why is he taking it? doesn't matter what you do for those 15 hours. The plane is going. So you can either chill out, enjoy, read a book, go to sleep, <laughs> you know, do a crossword puzzle, whatever it is, or you can create suffering for yourself because the plane is en route. And so I think in many ways, it's obvious when we're controlling. We know when we're controlling because we're stressed. We feel stress. We feel tension. We feel contraction. We feel anxiety. We feel some level of internal angst inside. And that's how you know where, where you're controlling, you know? And, and so I think control isn't bad. And so we have to cultivate a relationship to control. When we understand the nature of control, then we can shift our relationship with control and and no longer judge it in any way or think it's bad, but actually begin to hold it and begin to love it because underneath that is fear, but also underneath that is usually a positive intention in some way, shape or form. In that I mean, it's the ego that resists surrender. It's the ego that is addicted to control. You see, the ego is that version of ourselves that we mistakenly believe ourselves to be based on name, body, form, belief systems, memories, pain, you know, hurts from the past that we attach to. And so the ego resists surrender and letting go because for the ego, surrender feels like a death. 
And the job of, the, and, and the degree to which we believe we are the ego, we've been conditioned to believe we are the ego, is the degree to which letting go feels scary. And, and being control has this illusion of safety. So the job of the ego is to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when you were five, is to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when you were 10. And when, when, when there was no stability in the home or when dad and mom were screaming and it felt so painful and you didn't get your needs met and that was too painful. And so the ego is kind of a pattern reaction of who we learn to be in order to not feel that pain again. And so the, 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 the job of the ego to protect you from getting hurt, the job of the ego is to reinforce your existence, right? And so the ego is well-intended, it's just limited because the ways of being that we learned at a very young age, age five, age seven, age eight, age 10, age 12, um, it worked for us when we were that age, but it starts limiting us now, you know? And so if you look at a child, a child is free. We're free as children. We're just these, we're not trying to control everything. We cry when we need to cry. We laugh when we need to laugh. We poop when we need to poop. And the rest of the time, we're just like, we jump on a table. Have like, fun, yeah. Just having fun, being essence. You know, we don't care if we, we don't look good on Instagram. We don't care if we're like, can't sing like Adele. We're just being pure, effortless. We're surrendered to the moment. So what happens? So we incarnate into this human experience and we meet our blessed parents. God bless them. They're doing the best that they know how to do based on their childhood and their upbringing. And maybe dad is crazy. Maybe mom is an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. And there's so much, you know, instability, emotional instability in the household. And that's painful or just they were good people, but they didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And that was painful. And so two things happened. The first thing is... You could say unconsciously we learn all sorts of strategies to shut down, disconnect, not feel a form of control. So we have to control my feelings and my environment because the environment is crazy. So let me just shut down, disconnect, not feel, suppress, 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 suppress. It's a, it's a way of controlling because to feel out of control feels horrible. So I suppress my feelings, I suppress my feelings, I suppress my feelings, I close my heart, shut down, disconnect, not feel control shut down disconnect not feel i feel fine i feel great go into the mind go into the analytical brain disconnect from my body now i don't feel anything and now i don't feel out of control even though maybe my environment is not feeling so safe and there's things happening but i'm just numb i don't feel anything it's a strategy of control and i think when we can understand that oh this is why i'm afraid this is why i'm trying to control everything ego thinks if i can control everything then I'm going to be safe. So I, we try to control our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our husband, our wife. Let me control my children. Let me control the government. Let me control my pet chihuahua. Let me control every... If I can control everything, then I won't get hurt or feel helpless like I felt back then. And so when we can understand the drive for control, then I think we can have a bit of understanding, awareness, and compassion for that part of ourselves that is desperately trying to control everything in an effort to not feel like how we felt. And so when we can understand that, then we can start relating to ourselves differently and, and start bringing compassion and loving and kindness and tenderness to those parts of ourselves that really are afraid, which is why we are controlling in the way that we're controlling. But also as children, we learn all sorts of strategies to 
we become who we think we need to be in order to get love and validation and approval. Oh, when I get all A's, then dad loves me. When I'm quiet, mom loves me. When I'm a certain way, oh, I get love. I get validation. I get approval. And so we learn to develop a role, a mask, a persona, to contort ourselves, to become who we think we need to be, to get love, validation, approval, to fit in. It's survival. And so the version of ourselves that we contort ourselves into is what we end up thinking we are, but it's not. It is our conditioning. It is a pattern of conditioning that we hold on to and that holding on is ego. But the scary thing is, wow, now you're saying let go and surrender, but I've learned to be the nice person and say yes all the time and betray what I want in order to give you what you want in life and in relationships. And now you're saying let go? Oh, shit. <laughs> How am I going to get love if I don't? betray myself and do what you want and not meet my own needs it can be terrifying because i've learned to get love a certain way by betraying myself and being nice all the time and so surrender feels a bit scary it feels like a death and that's why we resist out of survival when we can recognize the mechanism that is the ego and not judge it not force it but 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 learn how to hold ourselves with compassion and love then those patterns can begin to relax. Then we can bring the light of loving to those parts of, parts of ourselves. To me, healing is applying loving to those parts of ourselves that are hurting. And the more we're able to do that, the more we don't have to force surrender. We can just allow surrender to blossom. The more we don't have to force letting go of control, like let go of control, the more we can just hold ourselves knowing that we're actually afraid. And if we can just hold ourselves like a child, the part of us that is controlling can slowly begin to relax as 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 we feel safer within ourselves. Mm. Well, it's not a coincidence that I'm that we're meeting today and having this conversation because last week I actually just wrote something on ego death and what that experience has wow. been like. Um, I've talked a little bit about my spiritual journey and my own path on this show. I can't talk or speak to all of it yet, because it's still an ongoing process. And I'm still, it's very personal when you go through this mm. process of ego death and what everything that you're talking about today. But the thing I wrote was ego death is it's a slow and steady process. And for me, I've kind of been all over the board. Like I've went from mm. one extreme to the other, feeling really empowered to just completely hating myself. And it's been this pendulum of back and forth to just kind of sitting in the middle. And I just feel called to share that because when people start going through this process, like I know for me, I didn't know any of that. I was like, I'm crazy, you know, but it's really just, and then I started talking to other people and looking into it. And it's actually very normal to experience this whole range of emotions. And like what you're describing is on um, you know, like you, it's like a hat you wear, a role that you play, these things that you you take on throughout your life. And then when you go through this like death process, you're like, wait, who am I if I don't need to achieve all these things or mm -hmm. seek love this way or uh, who am I? Yeah. control feels, this? It's like you don't like know who you are anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's actually great because it's so freeing. You're like, oh, for me, I'm an achiever and I, um, 
you know, I started my business. I knew that this was my purpose to coach and to do therapy. I tried to do other things and hit that wall, you know, where it just wasn't working. So it, I came into my own business. I still hit walls along the way, even though I know this is what I meant to do. I was forcing a lot of other things based on what I thought I should be doing and trying to meet that need, right? Like I need people to see me a certain way, or I need to make X amount of money, or I need to see so many clients to be worthy, right? Because that is just how I've learned to operate in the world is I'm worthy when I have met all these goals or achieved all these things. And it's funny because I think about the things I manifested years ago that are actually, I wanted to happen back then, but are actually happening, like, or happened like earlier this year. And I kind of just said to myself, eh, eh, I, I actually, I'm good. Like, I don't even want this anymore. Like it, in that manifestation came from something that I thought I should be doing, yeah, but because yeah. of the work I've been doing, mm-hmm. it's all fallen away. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't need it anymore. So it's like scary, but it's also freeing. Yes, yes, it is scary, but it's freeing, you know. And as as parts of you die, I think part of what's also freeing is to realize the the, the aspects and the dimensions and the parts of you that are dying aren't really you. Right, and they're not they real. Were, they were just what they thought were you. You identified as you. We adopted it's not really them. You, it's not really you. And so then you even realize that the ego itself is not real. The ego is not a thing. It's a process. Like a bicycle is a thing. The, the, the pedaling is a process. And so when you start realize, wow, the ego itself that I thought was real, that is so afraid of dying, can't even die because it's not even a real thing to die. It just <laughs> appears to die. And now I realize that what I'm afraid of dying isn't really me. So because I thought it was me, I was afraid of it dying. But now I realize it can't even die. And so that frees you up because then you realize ego is a process of identification, not a thing. Pedaling is a process. And so that frees you up where then you realize, well, ego can't even die because it's not even a real thing to die. It's kind of like another level of the death of the ego where you realize the reality of what it is and 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 there's a freedom in that it can feel scary though because just because we identified with ourselves as achiever as good boy as good girl as this as that and and so that loosening can feel a bit scary especially at first um, because we're just so attached and identified to a, a certain way of seeing ourselves and a certain way of positioning ourselves in the world and functioning navigating the world you know but there's a tremendous freedom when you when you shift and understand your relationship with the ego and what it is and what it isn't and there's a you know that's why i think it was Rumi that said you in order to be free you must die before you die and when you die before you die that's when you will be truly alive and that's the freedom you know that's the freedom yeah i love that and i and i'm wondering like how do people learn to listen or tell, is this my intuition or is this my ego? Because it can be so like we get in our heads, right? And I think of intuition, like in our bodies, in our ego, in our minds, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like, how do you learn to listen to that and decipher that and get clear about like this feeling that I have versus this? I, 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 I will answer the question on a couple of different levels. Um, 
I think that deep down we all know, so we need to stop bullshitting ourselves. Because deep down at the deepest level, we know. How many times have you, me, us, those listening, you've been in a relationship with someone, think back to that person. Oh, this is the one. Oh, my God. And then you saw some things. I'm not sure. I don't know. And you would have conversations for hours with your friends. Should I stay? Should I go? I don't know. And then when you finally broke up with that person, you told your best friend, I knew that was never going to work. I just knew. And, and then they asked, well, when did you know? I knew within a month. I knew within a few weeks. I just knew. There's a part of us that knows everything because at the deepest level, we are everything. You know, if we're really honest, we knew. We freaking knew. We just didn't truly own it fully. And so, or if I were to put a gun to your head right now and said, I will blow your brains out and everybody you love within 10 seconds, unless you tell me the truth about X, Y, Z, boom, I guarantee you, you would give me a real answer. Real answer. But most of the time, we're afraid. We're afraid to own the knowing. We're afraid of the consequence. And so the ego kind of hijacks us and tries to rationalize and we start negotiating and we start making things appear certain ways when deep down we know, we know the truth. And so I think there's a few levels. The one level is the more we do the mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual, developmental healing to 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 release our pain our emotions our trauma our nervous system you know you know to me everything that happens to us gets stored in our nervous system from childhood everything every memory every thought every sight every sound every everything so the nervous system is the antenna to the world information comes in we meet somebody we go into a room something happens information comes in it gets filtered and interpreted through the lens of the nervous system. So you could say the more junk, the more unprocessed baggage, trauma, emotions that we're carrying, the less uh, clear our capacity for interpreting an experience or an event will be. In other words, information will come in and based on what we're carrying, we won't necessarily be able to see it or interpret it clearly because of the cloudedness within our body and our nervous system. So I think the more work we do to heal and transform ourselves, the clearer we can get, the clearer, the more we have the ability for the clarity so that as we let go of all pain and trauma and triggers and you know childhood stuff, information comes in and we're, it's not being filtered through the lens of junk and the lens of trauma and the lens of mom and the lens of dad. It, 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 there's less stuff there to cloud our capacity for interpretation. Then the feeling and sensation and intuition, I think, can only get clearer. So that's one level, right, in terms of doing the work so that we can elevate and clear and raise our vibration so that there's less static inside of the vessel that is the body, the mind, the nervous system. So that's one level. The other level is... I think intuition will often also arise from a deeper dimension than our logic, a deeper dimension than our personality, which is why often intuition doesn't always make sense to your mind. When you feel something that doesn't make sense, uh, you know, it, it, then we try to figure it out and understand it and make sense of it. And that need to understand and analyze and make sense of the sense that is arising is the ego's strategy to try to maintain control because if i can analyze it 
and understand it, then I can be in control and I won't get hurt again. And so when information arises, it arises from a deeper dimension than your conditioning, a deeper dimension than, than your conditioned mind. The unconditioned dimension of your, you, you say your beingness, it won't fit into your logic. It's not meant to fit into your logic because it's not arising from your mind. And so I think we have to learn to just, usually it has a different texture. It has a different quality of thought. It, sometimes it might arise in the thought, but it has a different quality of thought. It has a different quality. Sometimes it will arise as a sensation in the body. Mm, something just feels a bit off here, but it's not a logical thing. It's just sometimes it might arise as a very gentle sensation feeling of just, hmm. And that hmm, that can be easy to miss that we often don't pay attention to because we're not thinking it's just, hmm. I mean, how many times, I remember one time many years ago, I was in the parking lot speaking to a friend, a beautiful woman walks in and I, ha I had one of those, stay away, don't go there. And what did I do? Did I listen? No, it's like, no, don't be so judgmental. Come on, be compassionate, be spiritual. Ego uses all sorts of, just be open, be available. Don't be so judgmental. Sure enough, we go on a date. Sure enough, we're in a freaking relationship. You know, I didn't listen. It was a disaster. And I freaking knew it. And we know. And so we have to pay attention to those subtle cues of, hmm. But the mind doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. So what I had to learn to do in terms of trusting my intuition is when I felt that something arising, the, the hmm, the, 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 the curiosity, the, the subtle something, I had to learn to stop questioning and just listen and follow. Turn left. I don't need to know. Give up the need to know and understand what it means and just follow. So when I feel that turn left, turn right, go through this door, people will say, well, why are you doing that? I have no idea. All I know is turn left. And often what I have found in following that, you know, sometimes you think, Sometimes there's a fear of if you really follow it, you're going to end up on this homeless on the streets of downtown LA, you know, chopped up into a million pieces. That's the fit, but it's, it's never happened to me. And, and so <laughs> often things will make sense, not in the moment, but looking back in retrospect after the fact where you understand, oh, I see why I felt that. Hmm, and I felt to turn left. And I needed to call, you know, Caitlin and then needed to email Coot. Ah, and so you feel it, just do it. You will, like, you don't have to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. There is an intelligence of life that knows. Like right now, something right now inside of you and I is digesting our food. We had breakfast this morning. We're not sitting here going, digest, digest. It's just happening. Right now, we're having this conversation. And we're breathing. We're not sitting here in this conversation going, breathe, breathe, doing some super duper breath technique. It's just happening. There are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of cells just unfolding, interacting, you know, functioning that know what to do. And so I think we have to just trust that intelligence and trust that that intelligence knows it will guide us. You don't have to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. So I just say, you sense something, follow it. And often it won't come as a loud siren bell. It will just come as a subtle, like, nudging. The way someone nudging. explained it to me is 
um when i was i remember one time i was like talking about a situation and and she was like okay well when you think about this situation just like close your eyes do you feel your body like open or close and i was like open she's like okay and then let's think about the other one and i'm like oh it feels like closed and so like i've always kept that in my head and i find myself doing it with other things like small just day-to-day decisions mm-hmm. i'm like okay right now what feels right i'm like okay this one feels right but as soon as i notice as soon as i start looking at the details of a situation like okay well what about this but i could do this could do that okay what about this well what if this happens i start getting anxious and i'm like overwhelmed and then i'm like oh my god which decision is the right decision well yeah first first you have to surrender to the decision that's the key Right. You know, exactly. If you start, if you start going into the details before you like surrender to, okay, turn right. You know, it's like, well, you go into the details, and that's going to determine whether you turn right. The mic can convince you of anything. The mic can convince you to like, it will tell you, go have that ice cream. Then, then you do what the mind says, and then it beats you up. You know, and and so first surrender to the guidance. Then you can engage the mind to 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 follow up with the details of the plan and the how, but the mind must be a servant to the soul. The mind must be a servant to the heart. Yeah. And when, and when people, if you can sit back and ask yourself, like, which sounds right to me or what, which feels good. Like if you're trying to make a decision, it's like this experience in your body that feels relaxed. And then Mm -hmm. when you think about another choice and your body feels like tense or tight, that's how at least I know how to decipher which one is yeah. right. It's like learning to listen to your body. And then like what you're saying, the mind comes later, but the yes. mind is what makes us. And I think you spoke on this earlier, like very anxious and overwhelmed and shut down. And um, yeah, I just, I, I, when you were talking, it reminded me of that, that open closed feeling. And, and I can, I tune into that. I try to tune into it, you know, but we're still human. So we always, you know, like we like to get in our own way. <laughs> um, and that's the nature well, of the ego wants to, get oh, in, yeah. uh, wants to get in our own way. Because remember, the job of the ego to protect you from getting hurt. Number one, it's well intended. You know, it's, it's beautiful to me. The ego is not an enemy. You just have to learn how to develop a relationship with this patterning. That's all. You just hold it. Just hug it. Just, you know, no problem. It's not an issue. Just the relationship with it. But the job of the ego is to protect you from getting hurt. The job of the ego is to reinforce its existence. And so one of the ways it reinforces its existence is to control everything. It's got to like be the doer of everything because if I am the one doing, then I must be real. I mean, I really exist. And so it wants to get in the way of everything because that's what gives ego a sense of feeling alive. So we create stress, we create drama, we create problems that aren't even problems so that we can feel ego can feel like, yeah, I'm here. I I exist rather than flow. You know, I have one last question for you and this might be a little bit out of left field, but I've heard you speak on it before on, but I want to know what your thoughts are on when people say like, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, right? Or the universe doesn't give you more than you can handle. Or how do you surrender when bad things are happening or have happened to me, right? Or trauma has happened. How do, because yeah. I hear that a lot, right? And okay, I feel like so, those, so, yeah, go so ahead. So look, so I don't want to minimize, I'm going to answer it from different levels. I never want, I don't want to minimize when shitty things have happened to people, you know, trauma, 
abuse. Um, and I'm in no means saying that those things are okay or, those, or, or condoning people that did those things. Um, many of those things are wrong. Many of those things are not okay. Many of the folks need to face the consequences of certain actions that they have um, taken towards you. Yes, in this dimension, absolutely. And so uh, I have a lot of compassion, especially if you've been through difficulty. I have a lot of compassion, especially if you've been through challenges. I have a lot of compassion and my heart goes out to you. My heart surrounds you with love and hugs and just, you know, it's not easy being a human in this physical reality. Let's be real. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are when shit happens. It is not freaking easy. And, and, and I think, you know, we have to start with the human and, and not just like spiritually bypass it and spiritualize it and go, yeah, everything happens for a reason, which it does. But first, I just want to start by saying freaking being human is hard sometimes and tough sometimes. And, and, and anyone in this human experience, I have a tremendous amount of respect for because it takes freaking courage to have your heart shattered, to be betrayed to be abused, to go through some of the stuff that we have been through in our childhoods and everyone listening has their own story and to be willing to get up again. I mean, that, take, that, take, that, takes, that takes a lot of courage, you know? And so that's the first thing I want to say. Now, to go at your question a bit more specifically, um, good and bad, is it good or is it bad? You might have gone through something that seemed like the worst thing. And we've all had this experience. It seemed bad in the moment. Let's just take a relationship example. Let's start with a light example. You so wanted to be with someone. You were mad. I mean, maybe you've had this. I know I've had this. You met somebody. You so wanted to be in relationship with that person. You fell mad in love with that person. You couldn't imagine not being with that person. You gave their heart to that person. And the relationship didn't, didn't work out. Your heart was shattered. You couldn't believe it. It seemed like the worst thing. You were mad at the world, mad at God. And maybe now, years later, or decades later, right? Um, maybe decades later, you look back at that relationship and you think to yourself, thank God that didn't happen. Thank God that relationship didn't work out. You could not imagine being like, thank, what was I thinking? Thank God. And so what seems like the worst thing in a moment and not fulfilling that dream you had was actually grace. And so in a certain moment, we can thank God for the things that, for the prayers that weren't answered, for the things that we wanted. And so often what looks like the worst thing from the perspective of the ego, because the ego is not able to see the entire picture. The ego is not, when we're locked in ego, we're not able to see how everything connects and our whole life connects in the trajectory and the, and, and the tapestry of our life. It's like looking at a piece of artwork on a wall and we see like a black dot in the corner, but we're not seeing how the black dot connects to the nail of the tiger, which connects to the universe. It connect, you know, we can only see a very small perspective. And so when we see things as bad in a moment and we don't understand, it can depress us. But I think we have to be willing to step back. And so when shitty things happen, I invite people to, to, to not judge it, to step back and get curious and get curious. Like curiosity is a key to surrender. Like 
why is this happening? Well, even get curious and remember from a spiritual level that you are, we, are, we are a soul and we incarnate into this human experience as souls in order to learn, to grow, to evolve. To me, this, this, this human experience is like a university, a classroom for our soul's evolution. If that's the case, if we incarnate in order to learn to grow to evolve and everything is our teacher, everyone is our teacher and life is a university, then everything we go through is an opportunity for us to grow in order to, to realize more of who we truly are. So when we go through seemingly negative things, when we start seeing it as not just the story, this happened or that happened, but when we remember that we are a multidimensional being and that we are a soul first and foremost, then we start looking at life differently, not just from the goal line of this happened and that happened and this person and that person to what is my, if I'm a soul and this is a classroom, why did my soul create this situation? What, 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 what is my soul seeking to learn in this situation? What is my soul seeking to understand in this situation? What is my soul seeking to learn from this person in this situation? What is my soul seeking to work out because if life is a classroom, sometimes some of the most challenging uh, classes come gift-wrapped. You know, the blessings come gift-wrapped in challenges. And our job is to learn the lesson. When we learn the lesson, then we can graduate to the next level of the experience of life and situation and relationship in the classroom. And all lessons are repeated until learned. That doesn't mean that people that do things to us shouldn't face the consequences and we don't have to handle that but if we just stay on the one-dimensional level of this is good and this is bad and that happened and this happened we will often not unwrap the gift which is the lesson and when we learn the lesson where we are then we start transcending the situation and that gives us perspective to understand why we went through this experience and like oh i see i see why i needed to spend 27 years in prison you know, we look at Oprah. Most of us know Oprah stories. I mean, she was ab abused and raped in childhood. And we could say, well, shit, that's really bad. On one level, it is absolutely not, I mean, not cool, not good. It's, it's, it's horrifying. But on another level, if Oprah hadn't gone through that, would she have become Oprah? Would she have evolved and turned her pain into her purpose? So should she have not gone through that? And imagine she had not gone through that. We probably would not have Oprah today. And so I think when we're able to look at ourselves as souls, learn the lessons through the experiences, then we evolve and then we extract the blessing. And then we're able to share that pain and blessing with the world in the form of our gifts and our purpose. And so to me, I've learned to get curious, you know, in my biggest heartbreaks or difficulties like, huh, what 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 more amazing thing is about to happen right now? You know, how, how is the, I believe that the universe is always conspiring for my good, even if I can't see it in this moment. And many times when we're in the moment, we're not able to see it. So the more we can, it's almost like the more we can just be open and available and be curious, the more we're available to life showing us why this is happening. Wow, Coop, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know that, people are going to walk away with so much information that they're probably gonna to have to listen to this episode a couple of times just to digest it all. Um, my last question for you is if people want to hear more about you or more of your message or where can they find you? Yeah, simple. Um, I would say first get the book, The Magic of Surrender. It's available yeah. on paperback. I second it's a, it's that. A, 
it's a roadmap and a very uh, there's a lot of gems in there that will guide you so get the paperback on amazon secondly um depending on people listen to this uh this december december the 5th through the 16th i'm doing a very special live event it's kind of the highest level of my work that i do some of the deepest work and so if you're someone who you feel ready for a breakthrough you're ready to heal you're ready to transform you're ready for that next level of your life to connect with your authentic nature and share your gifts with the world uh i do an event it's 12 days in bali i've done this event for 12 years i've done 21 of these events um, this is my last time in december doing this particular event uh it's called boundless bliss the bali breakthrough experience 12 days with me in bali 18 people maximum and uh, we go deep and you can find out all the information if you feel called. If you resonate, go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com and watch the video and apply there. Uh, you can also go to my main website, Kute, K-U-T-E, kuteblackson.com. Find out about me there. We have general info there. You can go to Instagram, kuteblackson, just my name. Facebook, K-U-T-E, Coot, Love Now. And then my podcast, Soul Talk. Awesome. Wow. So many ways for people to get in touch with you or work with you. Thank you so much. I'll put all the information in the show Thank notes you. below as well. Thank you so much for your time today. And again, your service to sharing your message to the world. Thank you. Thank you.